All of us are on a complicated journey of faith, pursuing truth and deeper knowledge of God. But how do we know we're doing it right? Many of you know that faith is a complicated thing, and it can be a painful and difficult journey, and far too often we are not given a space where we can safely address the complications and issues that arise naturally. My name is Joshua Patterson, and one of my best friends, Marty Frederick, and I have agreed to join each other in creating exactly that kind of space where questions and critical thinking are welcome. We want to look honestly at the issues and questions plaguing the Christian church today and to genuinely seek out what it means to live like Jesus in our ever-changing world, in our expanding universe, and in our pluralistic society. We believe that doubt is not the enemy of faith, but perhaps one of its greatest allies. We think that the Christian life is more about asking the right questions than it is about finding the answers. And we believe we are being called to continually ask those questions, renewing our minds and rethinking our faith in the process. Thank you for joining us on that journey. We're recording now, so I don't want to lose anything. But, but what's crazy is like, uh, it's almost as if um, my current uh, spiritual journey, like, it's it seems as if like you stole my journal and like were peeking in on my you know spiritual direction therapy calls and then wrote some stuff and it it like I had to stop reading multiple times because I was like this is crazy so it's it's like that it's tapping into something that is is more true than true it's crazy it's so good <laughs> it uh it, because the real the real invitation is to go far enough inside of me that i find you mm-hmm. and go far enough inside of you that i find me yeah. so like when people talk about how things are more polarized than ever polarization specifically po- political polarization is the inability to see yourself in someone else sure like when you're angry, do you make the best decisions? Probably not. When you're resentful, are you your most rational? Probably not. Okay, so I can see why maybe those people would have done that. I don't, I don't agree or condone or think it's, but so you can see. So one of the things that was really interesting to me with the book was, could I write about what it's been like to be me in such a way that, people would read it about themselves Mm, mm -hmm. almost like a mirror um yeah and even particular details like about the sweater or about the like odd stories and details of the stories that would make you think of your moments like that Mm -hmm. so it's almost like trying to write something that will bounce back and be like josh this about you you know, I, I, I think you captured that very well. <laughs> to, steal, to steal a phrase that, that you use in the book, you talk about how sometimes uh, reading uh, the Bible or reading holy texts is like, uh, it, it gets to a point where it starts to read you. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think if that was your goal, then well done, two thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. So I'll take it. Yeah, it's awesome. And so people who are listening... Um, that if that is a voice you don't recognize, that is the voice of Rob Bell. And so Rob, thank you so much for, for hopping on and hanging out with us, uh, today. 
afternoon for you, close to evening for me. Marty's a little bit behind. Uh, Marty's actually, it's five o'clock somewhere for Marty because it's five there. So good for him. Yes. Um, yep. It's past <laughs> five for me. So no judgment. Uh, <laughs> but Rob, we do, we do have a question that we like to ask everyone who comes on our podcast. Okay. And it's important. Uh, really important. And actually, Marty, Marty is much better at asking the question than I am. So Marty, why don't you give it a go? Yeah, so Rob, who is your favorite ice hockey team? Ice hockey team? <laughs> ice hockey team. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's the yes. deepest question of the spiritual journey. Favorite ever is the 1980 Lake Placid American team that won it and the coach went nuts and everybody sitting at home just lost their minds. It was is, like that, the is that from the miracle? Ever. It's from yes. the, mir the movie Miracle, yeah. Because I was 10 and I remember it. Okay. And just being completely caught up in the drama and the underdog. And at that time, there were good guys and bad guys. The categories were very clear and you're 10 and then they win. There you go. <laughs> Particularly since the bad guys were the Russians. And that was, you know, like heat of of uh yes exactly know. exactly we had rocky three that was going to come along i guess that would have been a little bit after that so it was all yes that was what the world was at that time uh-huh yeah and that's, the coach that's... in the suit and his tie was flying up as he's running around losing his mind excited yeah the best that's that's got to be one of the best answers we've had because i think everyone can connect with that it's not as we were talking about it's not polarizing like you know saying this team or or this NHL team or that NHL team, everyone can get behind that. So, well, maybe unless you're Russian. <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, for, for all of our Russian listeners, I'll have to check the statistics, Marty. I'm not sure we've quite made it to Russia. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I've done um, a few interviews over the past 25 years. And I've uh, been asked, like, hey, we have a question we ask our guest a number of times or a thousand times in thousands of interviews and no one has ever done that one <laughs> i was like nice. i wonder what the question would be you know favorite taco you go in yeah. in the world what do you dream about but this one hockey as a hockey team <laughs> you win the random That's award great. <laughs> yeah i'm about it we'll take it we'll uh yeah. put it on a plaque and we'll take it that's good for us we haven't really won too many awards <laughs> but yeah so uh rob you have uh well it's not quite out yet um but you have a new book that is coming out and it might be released by the time we uh, drop this conversation called everything is spiritual and i want to try to give a quick like here's my understanding real quick and then then we'll jump in um basically what i see is that the the universe is a journey of becoming and then life itself is also a journey of becoming. And so everything is spiritual. The book is an extended riff and memoir about Rob Bell's journey of becoming that resonated deeply with my journey of becoming as if you had read my journals and spied in on my therapy sessions. <laughs> and uh, specifically one, one aspect that um, hit me in a deeply uh, personal and profound way um, it just based off things that I'm currently wrestling with, 
uh, had to do with uh, your treatment around your idea of uh, a feeling of alienation and sitting in church meetings. It's a short section. It's like two or three pages, um, but it stopped me dead in my tracks because uh, that's 100% me right now. And I have no idea what I'm doing with that. <laughs> so it was helpful for me to know uh, that experience is not just my own. Well, there you go. Yeah, that's, that's the, the beauty of the particulars is when you name an experience, that experience would have been 15 years ago for me. You name an experience in its particulars, in its depth, and it's feeling and it's angst and it's joy, whatever it is. One of, the, one of the mysteries of being a human is you name the particulars of an experience you had and somebody else goes, oh, that's me too. It's like they looked far enough inside your story that they found themselves. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, can, I can speak to that and say, uh, as we talked about earlier, Josh and I met and it was as if we were the same exact person, except I was just born 10 years before him. And then 10 years later, he was born. But it's as if like, I don't know if it's weird to say, it's as if God like took a carbon copy of my personality, uh, the way that my mind works, uh, and all of those things and created Josh. Um, and it's just because when we came together, there were so many things that we would feel identically about. There were so many things that we would be bothered by in the same way. And even still to this day, I, I know that I can call Josh and I can say, hey, man, I'm, I'm struggling through this thing right now. What do you think about that? And he, he can respond in a way that is literally my mindset um, and, wow. vice, and vice versa. It, it's really kind of strange. Um, there's been so many different times that we've conversed and we've been the same person. Um, we, I mean, we have different views on you know, a lot of different things and I'm like, you know, specifics and that kind of stuff, politics or theology, or, you know, we have, we have some differences there, but when it comes to what it means to be a person, what it means to be a human being, oftentimes we're generally the same exact person. And it's, um, sometimes it's eerie that <laughs> we have the same thoughts at the same time, or, uh, it's just, a, it's been interesting to see. What, what a gift. Yeah. Luckily yeah. for Marty, God blessed him with facial hair. And as you can yeah. see, I'm still lacking <laughs> in that regard. So <laughs> Marty looks much older than 10 years older than me. Um, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> Rob, if someone were to ask you um, what you thought uh, Moses had to do with the Hebrew word for spiritual, what might you say? Well, that's actually a big moment for me in my early 30s when I realized there was no word for spiritual in the Hebrew scriptures, that that would imply that some things, to call them spiritual, would imply that other things aren't. And I, uh, I just grew up in a world where there was like life, like all the stuff that's actually happening, and then some people were in the spiritual things or some people weren't or some people were spiritual and some people weren't but all that just got blasted to shreds for me in my 20s when 
I realized that spiritual is simply the depth of life. It's bottomless depth and mystery and spiritual coming from the word spirit is the animating energy of everything. So when people talk about their spiritual life, well, you mean your life because the whole thing is profoundly spiritual and politics is spiritual and science is spiritual and music and art and healthcare and law and all of it. It's all animated by unseen energy. And the ancients for thousands of years called that spirit. So there's like a vast, vast ancient tradition that understood this experience we're having. It's profoundly spiritual. Yeah, so that's what happened to me. And then from there, it just got more and more interesting. Just Yeah, it, it, it almost seems like, and perhaps this is an overstatement, but also maybe not. It almost seems as if uh, this realization or awakening to the idea that everything is spiritual is perhaps what we might mean by salvation. This, oh, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> So Maybe. it's interesting when you talk to somebody about their life and should they move to this town or not? Should they be in a relationship with that person? Should they do this work or that work? At some point, you'll quite quickly get to who are you? Um, what are you doing here? What lights you up? What makes you feel alive? Um, when were you most alive? What, what is the gift you have to give us all? And that always takes you in to spirit. So when you begin to see like Moses, there's this ancient tradition that when Moses sees the burning bush, the bush had been burning the whole time. He's just moving slowly enough that he can see it. So in the ancient tradition, they talk about the bushes, you're passing burning bushes all the time. The whole thing is yeah. sacred. The whole thing is holy. So it is not about getting to some other place or becoming some other person. It's becoming aware. It's your eyes opening to the depth and presence of this moment right now. Most of what people understood to be, understand to be religion is just another transaction. If you do this, then you'll get this. And spirit is about becoming aware of what you've had the whole time. There's nothing to earn, nothing to prove, nothing you got to go get. You're here right now. <laughs> now is the only place we could ever be. It's the only thing that goes on forever is right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so good. It's, it's, it's such an, an interesting like once, and it's one of those things too, that once that realization sets in um, and to, to steal some language, once you have eyes to see or ears to hear, it's like there's no going back to uh, the transactional religion that you um, touched on briefly there because you know it's so much better than that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. When you mentioned that, that point in the book where I talk about sitting in meetings, um, I'm so happy that the people I was sitting in meetings with were sitting in those meetings because they should have been sitting in those meetings. It was just me connecting with a deeper sense of self and realizing 
oh, this isn't what I'm here to do. This isn't my path. And I have been, it's like reading off of someone else's script or walking somebody else's path that somebody else cooked up for me. This isn't what I'm here to do. So no, no, no judgment on that. It's just waking up to who you are and what your path looks like. That's what spirit does. So everybody's always been invited into this. But uh, sometimes it's disruptive. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes you're disappointing people. And so that angst, the pain of that disruption, for many people, it's easier just to avoid it or numb it or pretend like it isn't there. So part of everything is spiritual is learning to listen. Uh, so that's what you're like, Josh, you're, you're sitting in those meetings and something within you is talking to you. And so you're listening. You're mm -hmm. seeing where it takes you. We have no idea where it's going to take you. Yeah. That's where all the juice is. Right. <laughs> That's actually the feeling when you mentioned that earlier. What I wanted you to, what I wanted to try and do is write a book that captured the feeling of becoming and figuring this thing out and following spirit and how it's disruptive and it's intoxicating and it's thrilling and it can be really unnerving. Do you know what I mean? It's all, it's all these different expressions and emotions and feelings um and in some senses what i wanted to get i thought what if i could write it in such a way that that could normalize that because for most people what am i doing wrong what's going on what's going to happen tomorrow it's 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 part of it you're trying stuff and you you gotta like you have to own every square inch of your story it was all part of it it's okay just relax it's all part of it yeah, you know, it's like when I when I look at like the life of Jesus and I consider the way that he lived and the path that he took and the way that he went about doing things, it's it's always interesting to me that everybody else around Jesus was always like, Hey, we, we gotta go over here. Hey, Jesus, we aren't supposed to do that. Hey, Jesus, don't talk to that lady. You're not supposed to walk through this town. You're not supposed to talk to these kinds of people. But Jesus was so present in each moment that he was in there was never a moment that jesus walked away from thinking oh you know i probably i probably shouldn't have done that <laughs> or you know, that was probably mm -hmm. a waste of time he, he seemed to have every moment down as far as i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing in this exact moment right now i'm in the exact place i'm supposed to be in the in the moment that i'm in that that i'm in it right now and everybody else seems so concerned about, you know, oh, Jesus, oh my gosh, what are you, you're not supposed to talk to those people. And he just was so present in every moment that he was in. And obviously, you know, being the, you know, being the son of God made, made a lot of that, I think, more simple for him than maybe it does for us. Um, no, but, but I also, not at all. I, I, Total lie. Absolute lie. I would never <laughs> believe that in a thousand years. Because I, I, I can see Jesus looking at, at the life of other people and saying, you know, yeah, like it be the humanity of him being like this, uh, you know, I know that there's so many people vying for my attention, so many things calling for my attention in this exact moment, but I'm doing exactly what it is I'm supposed to be doing right now. And this person is being ministered to, or I'm listening to this person or this way or that way. And, and I, and so much of it just seems you know, I think we, we spend so much time trying to be somewhere else. Um, our minds, a lot of the time, are not in the place that we're in. Kind of like you're saying, you know, and, you know, be in the place you're in and 
Um, yeah, that, that just, I don't, it just kind of a thought that I was kind of running through in my mind as you were talking. And yet his experience of being locked in on what he's here to do and doing it does not rule out sadness, anger, yeah. frustration. At one point with his disciples, he says, are you so dull? Yeah. Uh, he comes to Lazarus's tomb and weeps. Um, anguish and existential terror, like in the garden. He's deeply conflicted. Uh, my will, your will. On the cross, why have you forsaken me? The, the day that God becomes an atheist, mm -hmm. he experiences the absence of the presence. So his being present in the moment and being dialed in to what he's here to do does not rule out the full spectrum of the human experience. Even at the end, post-resurrection, when he meets with his disciples, and it's, Matthew wants you to know some of them worshipped him and some of them doubted. It's like even the writer is saying doubt is all part of it. It's okay. It's all part of what it means to be human. Yeah. Which is the great, he comes in his full humanity to tell us it's good to be human. Yeah, it's, it, it seems like um, part of what, what you're describing is this idea of the, the universal found in the particular. Yeah. Like we're, we're taking a large, like, I mean, as Christians, what we say is pretty crazy, right? Well, at least um, like the understanding that this, this thing, the Christ, the universal Christ became enfleshed in a human being. That's the universal becoming the particular. But it, it, for me, it validates all of human experience because the universal became the particular, became one of us. And that like, that blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, you have to begin with the, um, I always say that Jesus H. Christ is his name. And yeah. the, H stands for hum the H stands for human. Right. <laughs> so um, what you'll, what, what's really interesting is when somebody's really struggling if you invite them to say whatever their name is it's good to be and then say their name it's good to be rob it's good to be josh it's good to be marty from i i have been with folks who can't do that because who, who literally it's like a struggle and and they're very open about it it's a powerful experience to watch somebody wrestle through why can't i say it's good to be um and and the Christ comes to tell every one of us, it's good to be you. It's good to be here. It's good to be human. Um, and for a lot of people, they, they, were, they were raised in systems that did not teach them it's good to be human. Um, that began with how awful they are, how broken they are, and not um, how, how good it is to be human, which changes so much. Yeah. yeah, often often it seems as if uh, a lot of Christians today start their start their conversation as if the Bible starts with Genesis chapter three instead of yeah. Genesis chapter one. Yeah, yeah. So you always start with you always start a story at the beginning, which is it's good, it's good, it's good, it's blessed. Uh, you don't have to add a bunch of words to it to validate it. It's already inherently good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 you clear up a lot of problems just with that. So much. Yeah, what is it? Richard Roy likes to say, um, 
he always uses the analogy of like a fly in the ointment. But if you start with a problem, then it's only going to generate more problems. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you tried to outline the book. That's what you have in front of you. I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> that's um, fantastic. Yeah, that's a, big is, sheet, that's a big sheet of paper, by the way. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's almost like a. I was trying to <laughs> explain. It's almost like a, like a like a sad joke. Trying to do it, I feel like I did zero justice to the book itself because good, so much. Good. good, I like to hear that. Yeah, yeah. It's seriously <laughs> so like the. I told Marty, I was like, easily the hardest interview I've ever tried to write. Um, and we, ha we haven't even been following the, the outline and our conversation has been far better than anything I've imagined. <laughs> so like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah good. Because I wanted it to feel like life feels. Yeah. Like it was a, a ride as much as a read. Yeah. And I, oh, I think you accomplished that. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes Josh and I will, will talk about what we're going to talk about for an episode via text and you know usually he's like oh i got a really great handle on this or do you have any questions that we should ask or whatever and this one was so much you know i just don't know what to say and i and i not that i was being mr i've got it all figured out but i remember saying i i think what you put is going to be great <laughs> i think you know and then he sent this over and i said yeah this this seems great but you know i i think it's going to i think it's going to sound good but we both like to question ourselves often. That's a that's a, a, a Josh Marty trait. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Marty, watch this. Can we have fun with Josh? Yeah. Okay. No. Okay, Josh. What's you up? have that big outline in front of you. So try this. Try with that lovely Josh intellect of yours. Try, right. try, try sinking down into your heart and. Let me ask you, what's the next thing you want to talk about that's sitting on top of your heart? Don't think your way to the next thing we're going to talk about. What's the next thing on top of your heart? Next place you want to go. Man, Marty, did you fill Robin on my superpower that I have the uncanny ability to cry for no reason? <laughs> I didn't, but I, I think, think you're trying. I think you filled him in, and you're you guys. Your whole intent is to try to make me cry on a podcast. Um, my students make fun of me for this, Rob, constantly. Um, which I I'm, cry all the t I cry all the time too. So don't worry, my, yeah, my kids make fun of me. I cry during commercials during the NBA games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. That means your uh, it means your heart is open. Yeah. Well, here then, let's. If you want what's on my heart, let's go here because I think. I mean, your book touches on this, but I think um, you would have something to say as well. Uh, let's talk about life and death. And let's talk about how sometimes shit happens. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll give you some slight context. On Friday, as in however many days ago that was, we found out that my mother-in-law has breast cancer. Mm. Mm -hmm. I've thought about life and death before. Uh, and I've experienced loss in my life, but this hit me in a different kind of way. So what's on my heart is life and death. Yeah. How old are you? How old are you? I'm 26. And when you heard this news, what did it do to you? Um, it, 
confirmed a reality that I didn't want to be true. I was overly optimistic at first that they weren't going to find anything. Um, and then when it, it, you know, hit me, I was like, well, damn. But then also, uh, there's a little refrain um, that I stole from somebody you might recognize. And, and that refrain is, of course. And <laughs> that's, that's what happened. Yeah. So uh, it's terrifying, I assume. Absolutely. Because you love this woman and value her. Yeah. Yeah. So it actually reveals how much this experience you're having matters to you. Sure. Yeah. So you can read it as despair, all is lost. Or you can read it as opening your heart to even greater love. Hmm and appreciation yeah. for these people that are in your life that you've gotten to walk with this long. Yeah, absolutely. So it's either like, it's almost like it's an invitation to either step back and stand at a distance from your life or step in and experience the depths and love and wonder of your life even more. Mm. You see how yeah. there's like a, there's like a, spirit is like there's an invitation in there yeah yeah absolutely and it's it's interesting because i that that spirit and that that invitation is what my so when i say i go to therapy i i go to a spiritual director and that's one thing that she constantly tries to to pull out of me is that that invitation that this um kind of a different way of thinking uh, because as you've already recognized in the short time we've spent together, I live up here a lot. Um, and part of what I'm learning and experiencing is how to live here in my yes. heart. Yes. Um, and what I'm finding with that is there's a deeper level of knowing um, that surpasses knowledge we have intellectually. Correct. We have, there's like, there's like factual things. Uh, Jared Bias, someone we just interviewed, uh, said facts are like the things that'll be true when all people are dead. Uh, yeah. And then where does it go from there? There's facts, there's uh, knowledge, um, and then there's wisdom. And wisdom is where truth is found because wisdom is knowledge lived out. It's, it's uh, love enfleshed. And so it seems like you're describing... Uh, living in such a way within this current situation where um, it's living in wisdom, it's living out of that love and flesh, that, that feeling rather than some thing out yeah. here. Right, right. Because um, there's a number of things your mind doesn't know. You don't know how long, um, you don't know where this is headed. You don't yeah. know what's happening tomorrow. You don't know. So, so you only have this moment and your experience of this moment and the love that you feel for her right now. Yeah, yeah, it pulls you right into this moment. Leaving this moment does nothing but add misery. <laughs> um, but being here, you just, you, you become aware of the, the presence and the gift that this life is. Mm -hmm. So it's an invitation to like drop down from head into heart. Mm. Yeah, and I just, that too is the is living into that idea um, 
of like the the eternal now yes like um you like to say time is bendy (laughs) yes and the eternal now is all that we have yeah 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 so anything you want to say to her you should say to her anything you want to tell her you should tell her anything yeah we should just do do all these things now that we that we know we should do yeah we know Mm -hmm. can i can i ask a question about that because so i i love it and and my question is uh we obviously we live in a a culture um that like legitimately frowns upon living in the heart living with emotion uh experiencing what you're feeling uh you know like we we live in a culture i think often the times that that tries to tell someone like josh not to cry to to keep that back, you know, this is a professional thing. Don't, no one wants to hear or see that. How can, how can we, how can we invite people that we know into that same structure and thought process often? Um, is there, is it simply us being that, like, and having that mindset all the time? Or is there a way to, like, that, that you've experienced, Rob, to, to invite people into experiencing experiencing life from the heart, true, like truly from the heart. I'm not aware of that culture simply because when you think about the music that people listen to, is music void of feeling and passion and heart? Or no, the TV no. shows that people yeah. think about it. When, when people could do anything with their time, we play music and we watch movies and we follow TV shows that are all about this. You know what I mean? Are all yeah. about connecting with the actual experience we're having. But uh, Marty, your question, curiosity. So somebody tells you they had a rough weekend. That's a wall or a door. I had a really rough weekend, but now I'm, wait, 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 wait. That's just a wall, like you don't ask, or a door and you open it. Tell me why, why was it rough? What happened? What was it like? I was, um, I was probably a couple of years ago, I was at a party and you're doing that like meeting people. What do you do? What do you do? And this woman said, uh, she said, I've been a nurse. I think it was 35 years. I was a nurse for 35 years, which is like, okay, anybody want another drink? You know what I mean? But um, she said, I was a nurse. So I said, what do you do? I was a nurse for 35 years. And I said, so for 35 years, you went to the hospital every day? Yeah. And then there was a day that was the last day? I said, yes. I said, so there was the day like when you carried like a box out to your car filled with like a coffee mug and pictures of your grandkids or something? Yeah. And you could tell she was like, who is this guy? Um, what's going on here? And what was that like to drive away after 35 years? Mm-hmm. What was it like to wake up the next morning and not go back to the hospital? What was it like a month later when you'd spent a month not doing what you'd done for 35 years? And it became an extraordinary conversation. It was fascinating. So there was like a whole world of depth and feeling and emotion and history for this woman that I could have just passed on by. In my experience, there are whole worlds just below the surface. And curiosity, the assumption that people are infinitely interesting is a good assumption to have. Yeah. Because most well, people think, love and loss and questions and angst and hopes yeah. and desires are all just like a millimeter below the surface. 
Mm. Because I think a lot of times with the woman you're, you're referring to, the next question after that would have been, oh, so what do you do now? Right. And just right. Gla glazing over yeah. the, the whole invitation of that Bra 35 years. Yeah. Brains talking to brains. Yeah. So even yeah. why I asked Josh, I know you got that nice outline that you outlined and structure and all that, <laughs> but what, where does heart want to go? Um, instantly, he, he took a deep breath. He leaned back from the mic. You could even see his body like, and that's why I just give him this image of the top of the heart. And it's like took him a half second and he was there. Oh, I want to talk about life and death because someone I love, uh, I don't know. This whole thing is impermanent, temporary. Who knows mm -hmm. how long um, this arrangement will continue. Yeah, and then we were into this profound movement that's happening where he's, he's getting rescued from a life trapped up in the brain. Yeah, so I, Marty, in some sense, that's to me how it works is you meet people and you are present with them in the depths of their lives. Mm. And inevitably, all sorts of interesting things begin to happen. Yeah, it. Yeah, so we could crank through the interview questions, which is actually why I stopped him. Yeah, we could crank through and you know crank through his top ten interview questions, but I, I'm much more interested in an encounter with the two of you. Yeah, to find out who you are. Even the two of you, even Marty, you telling me about your friendship and being there for each other, and these two souls who are like mirror each other. That's just fundamentally more interesting than word just posturing you know what i mean you know all that resume yeah, yeah. throwing nonsense <laughs> sure yeah yeah no i i love it and 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 two things that that brings to mind is like a word that um within you know my i'll just refer to her as sid from now and my spiritual director said um something that she kind of uh, pulled out of me recently is like i'm f i'm figuring out that there's like a specific uh kind of posture of receptivity in life um of of yes. open hands and patience rather than um what i'm prone to do which is like try to go out and just make something happen <laughs> yeah, yeah master yeah you are the you you are the product of a system of mastery and domination of nature Mm -hmm. So even the, roughly the past 500 years with this explosion of knowledge about how the world works um, is it has often stood in mastery over events mm -hmm. to, in order to understand them, label them, name them, categorize them. Um, but to be learning to be listening for the deeper streams of life for the flow that is nine layers deep um, isn't a position of mastery. It's presence to what's actually happening. That's like a totally different posture. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like way, way totally different. And then it's been, it's been so interesting though, to see the effects of my minimal capacity to live in such a way the crazy effects that it has already played out and had in my, my own life personally, um, is wait, what, wait, what do you mean by minimal capacity? What's that mean? 
so like trying to live with within that that posture um like i i can it's again it's that that head to heart thing i can know and understand that this posture is a good thing and i i can know and understand how to put myself there um but there's there's like a part of me that just doesn't do that (laughs) like you're learning how about this how about you reframe it you're learning how to do that sure yeah okay, so you're you're learning how to integrate what you understand conceptually you're learning to let the words become flesh and blood yeah that's a really yeah <laughs> that's always the movement is word to flesh so you hmm. you conceptually have been given a glimpse of a more holistic healthy vital way to live and now you're learning how to make that how life is each day you're learning yeah yeah if if you take it off of judgment and shame and how come i'm not there and you just go thank god i was given this glimpse (laughs) of a way to live and now i'm living that way more and more see how the language pattern Mm -hmm. shapes the experience you're having yeah most definitely it changes it completely most people see a better way and then beat themselves up over how come they're not there Well, then you've already, the way that we name things profoundly shape what they even are. Mm. Um, As opposed to, of course, this is how life works. You keep opening up and seeing new things and becoming even wider and more expansive and more loving and more trusting and more hopeful. Of course, this is how it goes. It will endlessly be like this. It will just keep getting better. Yeah, You see how you name it is very transformative mm-hmm. yeah because it, it, i mean it literally reshapes everything right it's, yes it's, yes and like a, a perfect practical example of this is is recently i was uh, asked to preach uh for a sunday service and i was given uh water to wine which is great right you know give the 26 year old the the conversation about alcohol smart um and the first manuscript because i'm uh one so goodness i'm going to chase a rabbit real quick but one thing another aspect of your book that spoke to me deeply was this idea of gift and just giving your gift and then you don't have control over the outcome of that that resonated with me so deeply and was insanely helpful and so i'm learning i'm not going to say i'm bad at i'm learning how to do that better yeah so i submitted a manuscript to the head pastor because I wanted to be able to control the outcome. <laughs> and he said to me, Josh, this is all of your head and none of you. Like, this is a really great theological lecture. Um, and I'm sure some like seminary students will love it, but it's not you. And it took me forever to break that down. And then I did the exact opposite. I tried to make it all heart, all Josh. And then once that happened, um, it was crazy. The, the sermon was so completely different and it was more beautiful and more true. And I cried like the whole time trying to deliver it, but <laughs> it was real. It, it was now it yeah. was this, it was spiritual, whatever language you're going to put to it. How, what a great gift to have somebody give you that note. Yeah. Especially from a, a man who is way smarter 
than I am, who, you know, went to like a super conservative Christian Bible school that, that teaches you the only way to preach is exegetically to say, Hey, how about you don't do that? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's yeah. wisdom. That's wisdom. And that's love. What that's you- fantastic. Hmm. Yeah. Look at this path you're on. This is extraordinary. It's crazy. <laughs> and trying to put language to it uh, has been interesting. Um, language that, will only get you so far. Yeah. So sometimes you'll have words and sometimes you won't. And part of it's making peace with that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll just have silence and spaces because the thing that you are experiencing is beyond concepts. Mm-hmm. This is why sometimes you've heard people argue for the existence of God. Yeah. And in the course of proving the existence of God, end up completely denying God. Yeah. <laughs> because God exists in all the same categories as everything else. Mm-hmm. Exist, doesn't exist, prove, not prove. Well, at that very point, if there is a divine source, the divine source would have to be the source of the categories. So if you're actually having a divine experience, the last thing you'd be able to do is place it in nice, neat categories. It will defy them, which is why you end up with parable, riddle. So like Jesus says the kingdom is like, is oftentimes the best you can do is put something you do know next to it mm-hmm. and just say like, it's like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, man, it's like the, uh, a metaphor that you, used, that you used that I thought was helpful was the idea of like, if you capture a butterfly and then pin it down, Mm-hmm. then everything that makes that butterfly beautiful is now gone. <laughs> you can now study it perfectly and it also can't fly. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but I love when we have songs that attempt to um, name God or like give attributes to God or and everything that we attempt to call God by is something that we can experience. Right. Which of course doesn't, doesn't even come close you know to like you know you talk about god being like being like the heavens or being like thunder and lightning or uh, god being like a and like a, a roaring sea or something like that but then you, you and then you consider that and you say well a roaring sea can be measured in some capacity we can we can say well the seas were 37 feet tall and yes you know it was yeah. for this amount of time uh, yeah. but, so then you're then, I mean, obviously the overthinker will say, well, but then does that mean God's only 37 feet tall at his maximum and only, you know, sea level at his minimum? And, you know, and of course that's not true, but it, it's, it becomes, we, we use our personal experience to define what that looks like for us oftentimes. And I think sometimes that's, that's digging into the heart of somebody. You know, when, when you hear someone's, like someone writes a song, to me, that's always some ways the easiest glimpse into someone's soul is if they've wrote or if they've written poetry or they've written a song or uh, even just written in a journal. Um, you can, you can understand where somebody is in their heart, truly in their heart based yep. on a lot of those artistic creations that they come up with. Um, it's always interesting to me. Yep. Well said. So yeah. Josh, where are we going next? Uh, I, that's funny. Cause I was going to say, I have another thing, uh, that's a hard thing that could be helpful. Um, 
another hard thing would be for a long time, and even actually truthfully since the start of this podcast, which originally started out as Theology Doesn't Suck. Uh, we, did, we changed the name. Um, although Theology Doesn't Suck, I thought was pretty fun. Um, part of my motivation was uh, because I was so angry, so pissed off, so hurt, so broken by my past experiences of working one at the church that I worked with, with, with Marty and two, um, this, the second church I worked at, that was also a cluster, uh, to say the least. Um, I wanted to prove those people wrong and show them they didn't know what they were talking about when they talked about me, that they, they, they were the ones missing something. Um, I wanted to be able to talk shit about them in a way that, uh, I don't know, was uh, coded or whatever. Um, didn't want to be explicit about it. But what I realized is what I was constantly doing was I was only living into this idea of being a victim. And that's really easy to do. Um, and there's much more to me than just some punk kid who was the victim of some people acting like people. <laughs> yeah, it's also really boring. Yeah, it's very boring, right? And so part of just this idea that um, even after the resurrection in the gospel accounts, Jesus still had his wounds. Uh, that spoke to me on a deep level because it means those things matter. That's Again, that's all a part of it. That's all a part of the experience. Yes. It's all a part of... of yeah the journey of becoming. Yeah. 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 So, so you have to own every square inch of your story. Yeah. Cause it all shaped Josh into who Josh is. And it's all part of the new creation going back to Jesus, turning water into wine. Yeah. The gospel writer keeps telling you stories about a new creation that's bursting forth. And so for you, all of these experiences you've had, they've informed you and shaped you and they're with you as you take part in new creation. So to talk about how dumb they were or what, how mean or how they don't get it, uh, maybe for a moment it's helpful just to understand what was so off about that. But if you stay there, then your energies aren't being spent on new creation. You're one more person tearing things down, which just yeah. isn't that interesting. And you can gather quite a crowd taking things apart, pointing out everything that's wrong. That's easy to do, actually. I mean, you can go on Twitter or you can, in any scene or space or territory, you'll find people who are, whose dominant energies are spent pointing out all the ways that this is lame, which, <laughs> uh, but some, you, can, you can see with you, something within you is like, I'm, I'm here to actually take part in new creation. Yeah. To or make something. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So then that affects how much time you spend on the internet. That affects how you talk about other people. Like that, that can profoundly shape your whole life. Just deciding you want to be a part of new creation. Yeah. Yeah, because again, that becomes a posture. It becomes a way of living then. Yes, um, yes, exactly. Living into the resurrection, which then again... It's just me putting some pieces together here. That is, that is 
<laughs> that seems to be this idea of wisdom because then the resurrection yes. is no longer some kind of intellectual ascent that, oh, as a Christian, I have to say, yep, Jesus resurrected from the dead, but rather it's a posture, a way of, of doing life uh, that is more true than trying to have these intellectual battles. Right. So you can see what happened for you just there is it moves from did it happen to does it happen? Yeah. Does it happen? Which is a much more interesting question. So, so now you're taking part in, in the endless happening. Yeah. Yeah. There's like a, an <laughs> ongoing resurrection. Yeah. Which just becomes a, so you can see what happens when a person spends all their energy trying to prove that it happened as you can make your endless case that it happened. And in the process, have absolutely nothing to say about the world right now in all the ways that it desperately is asking for resurrection. It yeah. can literally become a cop-out as opposed to the, the invitation once again, which was to take part in actual resurrection here and now. Yeah. Yeah. Act so you see how that, that just begins to, then the now, now you're cooking. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause then it, it, it literally reframes and shifts and changes everything. Yes. Yes. Because then, yes. then for me, like one thing that I, I get, that I hang my hope on, so to speak, um, is the idea of the restoration and redemption of all things, new creation. Um, and so, in two, like, I've known in my bones that, there's, that we can live into that idea. And I've often told my students, like, hey, um, if there's going to be peace in the kingdom of God, then why don't you start living peacefully now? Um, if, if, you know, you're going to not have enemies in the kingdom of God, then why not start not having enemies now? Um, and so I, but it's like almost moving past even just saying that. Right. Cause that implies there's a thing out there. Right. As opposed to something happening right now. Right. Right. So there's a new creation now. And it's, yeah. it's again, it's, it's a better question. If not, will it happen? But when, and is it, or, or is it happening now? It is happening now. Where is it happening now? Or, yeah, and when Jesus says the kingdom of God is within you, right. he's in, insisting that you can participate right now. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's not even a question. <laughs> right. well, I want to I ask a question because as you guys are, are talking, there's one word that continually keeps, I mean, just just going over and over in my mind and kind of on my heart. Um, and that's the word uncertainty. Um, and so I guess the, I guess the macro size question is what, what do we do with uncertainty? <laughs> because in now for me, in my life, this exact moment right now, um, so much of the way of, of the way of life for me, for my wife, for my kids, um, uncertainty is that thing it's you know yeah i've got a job now but you know i'd, I'd love to have a better one uh, you know i've got I, I live with my parents uh, at 36 years old <laughs> you know i'd love to have my own place and you know have my kids have their own life and have that have that be um and uh you know I, i'm not currently in ministry right now but i was in the past and i would love to get back into that uh, but so much of that is shrouded in uncertainty um, and I, and I, and I guess I don't know how to step out of that. So as I'm hearing you guys talk about that, like living into the now and experiencing now to the fullest, what do I do with the mindset that, that 
for me right now, so much of right now feels uncertain. But what's interesting about your wonderful question is how much certainty is in your question. You yeah. want to have your own space. And you notice how much certainty is in that question about where you're heading? Yeah. You notice that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. So your question almost has like a, a mirror image of there's so much uncertainty, but then you listed all the things that you know for sure are where you want to go. Yeah. And you would like to help people in a more intentional sort of way mm -hmm. as a spiritual leader, pastor, community leader. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so you could almost flip that uncertainty and read it through a different lens is, I am so looking forward to seeing how all this unfolds. Mm. So you're not going to be with your parents forever. We know that. Yeah. So I am so excited to see how this all gets provided for. I know this isn't the last job I'm ever going to have. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you open up your heart. Surprise me. <laughs> Show me. Yeah. 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 So you see how the ache of the uncertainty can also be converted into like a prayer. Yeah. Like an expectant. It's a generous, generative, vastly creative universe. And I know there's more for me and my family. So I am going to get a front row seat to watch this thing. You see how that tilts everything inside you? Yeah. So I'll yeah. often meet somebody, which is not at all in your question, somebody who's bitter about how their life turned out. How come I don't have the thing? How come my kids have to? How come I'm not making? And they're, they're bitter about the thing. But then when you just ask a few questions, going back to what Josh was experiencing, the way they've named it, they've already named it as a, an, a universe of scarcity and lack. They've already named it as disempowerment. They've, they already believe life happens to you. Someone hands you a deck of cards. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So you almost go, well, no wonder your thing is unfolding like that. You've already decided how it's going to go. <laughs> but notice in your, you, um, you do have a sense of where your family's headed. Okay, this is all temporary right now. This is temporary. We're temporarily with my parents. Temporarily doing this job. Temporarily, the, the, you see that? Yeah. The impermanence yeah. is actually the gift. You know this is impermanent. Well, if it's impermanent, then what's next? So then it becomes like an anticipation, almost like a childlike, let's, let's see where this goes. Mm -hmm. I, to be honest, that word anticipation, that's, there, there are moments where I'm, I'm living in that way, where it's yeah. sort of, yeah, yeah. You, know, I, you know, in like a, oh man, like I wonder what's going to happen with this thing next yes. or with that thing next. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I don't know that I would have called it that though. I feel right. like I would have I would have said something along the lines of, well, this phone conversation is supposed to happen today. I guess we'll see what happens after that. Um, or, you know, yes, this, right. we have this meeting with this banker on this day about potentially getting a house or getting financing for a house. I don't know if it's going to work out. So let's just see what happens. Um, and I've had, I've tried to have a, very, a generally wide open viewpoint on all of those things. 
and to and to be expectant but also acceptant of yes what those things may be um but i don't know that i would have ever referred to it as anticipation because i think that word anticipation gives the positive element to the experience without without knowing whether it's going to be a positive or negative result so you have no idea to know right. necessarily right 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 um but it but it gives you that feeling and i, I don't know that that feeling necessarily changes the outcome just by simply having it but i think it gives you the outlook that isn't oh well what was me life is falling apart i'm living with my parents you know and then you you don't have that feeling on it i guess that that feeling changes your experience of the present moment mm -hmm. we're here we're going to meet with this person we're figuring it out this may be a green light maybe a red light if it's a red light, that's just data. Okay, apparently that's not the way we're gonna go. Okay, you wanna try somebody else? Do you see how, the, how you name it at each step? Yeah. Profoundly shapes what it even is. Yeah, I yeah. didn't see myself at 36 in this situation, but okay. So let's see how we go from here. Yeah, I, to be honest, I think a lot of my issue in the past has been that I didn't think about how, where do I see myself at 36? It was, right. more, it was more so, you know, I think a lot of my life has been reactionary rather than being proactive and, you know, yeah. and a lot of, Oh, well this happened. Okay. Well now what, you know, <laughs> instead of, yes. Yeah. So and, instead of moving to, you get to create your life. So we start with creating, Oh, we even have the creative power to talk about this, how we decide, how we want to talk about it. So we can be victims. We can be empowered. We can see it as a generous universe. We can see it as a place of lack. There's, and you get you you have that power. You get to decide how you talk about this. Yeah. And a little mm -hmm. while from now, when you're like, "We were living with my parents." Yeah. Yeah. Now look where we are. <laughs> right. We get to live on the moon or something. <laughs> the first family to live on the moon. I don't know. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, to something interesting, Marty, that I heard in your question. Um, is like, it seems like you made, um, a separation or a distinction between like what's, uh, sacred or secular, like what's spiritual or what's not maybe without doing it consciously. Cause you talked about like, Oh, I'm not in ministry right now, but that would have, you would then have to operate under the, the understanding then that, that there are people who are called and people who are not um like there, marty will always be helping people wherever he's at exactly yeah <laughs> he can't help who, it that's who marty is yeah yeah so he'll always be in ministry yeah yeah and so yeah. that guy if he's that working at home depot if he's working at home depot he's a pastor yeah 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 yeah, yeah so that, that that guy that called you an asshole today because you didn't have the socks that he wanted at rei <laughs> like you you could still you're still ministering to this person like yeah there's like and that's that's an interesting thing like that i remember that i don't know where i picked this up from but but this distinction of of trying to see things is not sacred and secular but sacred and desecrated and the desecration comes from people um like either they're not 
able to to see understand that this thing is sacred or they have somehow done something to the space to make it at least not seem that way anymore um like that that made a huge impact for me on how i saw things because that's that's when you start to get at this idea that everything belongs uh to steal some language from richard (laughs) Rohr. yeah so marty moses doesn't take his sandals off because suddenly the ground is holy he takes the sandals off because he realizes the ground has been holy the whole time and Mm. he's just now waking up to it so the next time you go to work all ground is holy it's just as holy as if you were being paid by a church somewhere. Yeah. Um, so part of it, perhaps for you is the invitation to see that you can, you can, you can serve and give wherever you are. It's, it's been interesting working in a different place, retail. And it's, you know, I, yeah. I did that a long time ago, but it, you know, sure. Uh, and this in this experience that Josh referred to, it actually was a, a legitimate thing that happened today. Uh, it was entirely <laughs> had nothing to do with me. Just this guy was. Yeah. And, and I remember remarking to somebody else as this guy drove away and kind of thinking, you know, who knows what's happening in this guy's life today? Absolutely. And it was I not about to, the socks. It was right, not about and, the socks. And it definitely wasn't even about me at all. Yeah. Right. Um, it was some. There's something that happened to him today or yes yesterday or a month ago and or, or when he was or, nine yeah or whatever yeah and um i remember a couple different co-workers came and kept asking hey are you are you okay and i was like yeah I'm, I'm totally okay because i think the perspective that i had on that situation was different than what others may yeah. have had over that yeah. um and th- there are plenty of times at work it's it's interesting working in a place like this that I guess to use the, it's, it's a weird word, but to use the word, a secular environment. Um, after working in a church for, you know, half, half, a, half a decade, um, to, to see the way that people view things, in some ways it's different, but at the same time, you know, it's identical. Yes, people come to work and people come in to, to shop and they are in different places of life. Uh, as they come yes. to work or come to shop, they're human and beings. Every one of, yeah, and every one of them experiences life in a different way. And I think kind of what we're talking about is there's just so many different ways that people frame the way that they're looking at things, and so many people are walking around framing their situation in in such a way that they are carrying around this backpack with 80 pounds in it at all times. Um, or they're dragging this ball yep. and chain from their leg at every moment simply just because they fail or refuse to see whatever the good may be, whether it's something that God is doing in their life or uh, whatever, however that person wants to frame that. Um, and yep. it's, it's always interesting when you experience people that are joyful, and you, but then you experience someone like this gentleman that I experienced today, and you think, what is this person carrying? And, you know, as I'm thinking about it now, there's so much of me that wished I had 60 more seconds with that guy, 60 mm-hmm. more seconds to talk with him. And even just to ask, you know, like it's so out of place in a retail environment, but to ask, hey, is everything all right? You know, like, yeah, you know, how, how's life for yeah. you? How, how can I serve you today? You know, 
beyond the socks that you're looking for, you know, beyond the products, you know, what about you? Um, and who knows if that would have been invited and welcomed, you know, who knows, but just to, just I wish for that extra 60 seconds is always like that. I walk away from that feeling that. So your original question was about all, all this uncertainty, but notice the more we talk about all this uncertainty, there's all this fascinating stuff happening in your uncertainty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this job that you for don't sure. see yourself at very long still is giving you all sorts of interesting new experiences and questions. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. Yeah, Josh, where are we going next? I got a little more time here. All right. If you, let's see. If you have a little bit more time, I think. So if I, I'll, again, with the heart thing and being completely honest, I told Marty before this interview and feel free to laugh at me. I was like, Marty, this is. The first <laughs> I already time. am. <laughs> right. Exactly. I love how you've set this up. My anticipation is through the roof. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I told Marty, I was like, Marty, this is the first time I've, I've genuinely been nervous for an interview. And I told my wife that, and she was like, why? You've done this a hundred times. Like, it's nothing new. Um, and like, I seriously, like, messed with this stupid outline all day today, trying to figure out what I wanted it to look like. And then Marty made an offhanded comment about like, dude, maybe we should just like throw caution to the wind and just like have a conversation. And I was like, no, I was like, maybe with a different kind of guest, but like, we can't do that with Rob. Like we don't, you know, we don't want to be disrespectful. Like <laughs> you were, you were placed on a pedestal, Rob. Dude, so Josh, how's, how, how's it gone so far? It's been awesome. And so I'm trying to say is that like the whole freaking interview and experience has been its own object lesson in and of itself. Like the, all the kind of, intellectual ideas that I wanted to accomplish here with this this piece of paper have been accomplished just through tapping yes. into the heart through the experience through being a just here a part of this whatever is happening right now between the three of us in this conversation yeah. um and this so this is why I didn't even read your text with the outline that you sent me I'm glad <laughs> now I I'm wouldn't glad. even I wouldn't even consider I wouldn't even consider that because I would want to just show up and be present with you and see where we went. Yeah. I wouldn't want anything in my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy. It, it just, I mean, it, it's, it, I don't know. It, I mean, it's, it's far superior than anything I could have come up with intellectually by writing an outline <laughs> because, because it's, again, it's something that's more true and more real. It's, it's a genuine experience of life lived. And it's, it's um, just, again, showing up and being president, pre president, shoot, I don't want that job. Um, but yeah, I don't, it's. Do you see what's happening for you at 26? Is you're having these experiences that are showing you that if you are present, and trust everything you need will be there when you need it. <laughs> yeah. And so what the mind wants to do is stockpile. It's terrified there's gonna be lack or shortage. So it never stops. If I just have enough, and an outline's fine, and preparing for a sermon is fine, it's all fine, we're good, we're good with that. But you can see the invitation for you is that in the moment you'll have everything you need. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. Do you notice how your body just now in the moment trusting that you'll have everything you need? Do you notice how your body takes a deep breath just now? Yeah. It literally like relax. I could feel it. Like it just relaxed. You just went like, yeah, see how much stress. Yeah. You notice how your shoulders notice how much like got flushed out of the system just Mm. with that in the moment you'll have everything you need. Yeah. Well, Josh, I can make an observation too. When, when I first met you, I would have said, this guy is the kind of guy that lives in the moment more than he prepares and, you know, puts, makes an outline and, and does this and does that. And, you know, make sure everything's set and perfect to the T. And I think in the, in the space that we worked in, that type of attitude was completely frowned upon to live in the moment. It oh, yeah. That's why they hated me. <laughs> That's yeah. why they hated me because I told them but, their system sucked. <laughs> but I think, I think what wound up happening to you, whether or not you agreed with the system, was that that rubbed off on you in a way where it, it felt to you like in order to be valid and to be validated by others, you, there was a certain way that you were supposed to live. And if you didn't live up to this specific way and, and meaning of how someone thought you ought to live, they wouldn't respect you or care about you or, or look at you in the same way. Because when you did things living in the moment, you weren't cared for or respected or noticed or paid any mind to. But then I wonder if that became something that you felt like you needed to continue to do in order for others to say, Josh is worthwhile listening to, even though the person you were before was worth listening to, but this weirdness of like who you really aren't wound up rubbing off on you. And then now like you're living in this hybrid of like who you really are, but then sometimes you have to do these other things that aren't necessarily you to a T. And then you, but so I don't know, I'm just, I'm noticing that about you I don't know why in just this exact moment, but <laughs> that when I first met you, you were very good at living in the moment and living into what someone was telling you in being present in that, in the now. Yeah. Well, I think now I think both you and Rob have been listening in on my, my <laughs> sessions because you're, I mean, you're, no, you're exactly right. I, there's a few, like one of the biggest things that I struggle with is this idea of here's and Rob, you had like four sentences in your book on this and it broke me. Um, there's this idea in my mind called pastor. And I was told that I am to be that thing. But the problem is that box that I've been handed called pastor doesn't fit Josh. And so Correct. what that, what that does is it, it creates shame because then it's, it's saying you're not this thing, but you're supposed to be this thing. So you can't be yourself. And then, so constantly it's just been like, well, who Josh is is stupid. If only Josh was this thing, then you could mm-hmm. be a good pastor. Then you'd be a good, you know, a high school student pastor, whatever. Then here's the box called Christian. Um, you know, I've had my fair, share of times people you know calling me a heretic or whatever um and it used to bother me a lot and i've I've gotten better about it but here's the box called christian and you don't fit in this box so something is is wrong with you um so marty i mean i think 
what I'm saying is, Marty, you're right. <laughs> is, you're, you're right. Um, so, yeah, Josh, this is exciting. It's exciting yeah. to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like, a, a, like I, I tried to go forward into this space that I was, I was told this should be, if you're going to be this thing, this is where you should go to do it. And I, and I worked so hard to try to go into that space and be that thing that while I did that, I forgot like who I actually was because I was trying to be that thing that everyone else told me I should be. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, right. And once I realized that that thing that people told me I should be was stupid and I didn't want to be that thing, <laughs> then yes, I started taking it out of myself because I had become that thing that I thought was stupid <laughs> rather so than trying I, to be me. Yeah. Right. So now the only interesting thing is you being you. It's good yeah. to be Josh. It's yeah. good mm -hmm. to be Josh. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man. I love it. I love it. How are we doing with your outline now? <laughs> well, I, I'm going to use it for a fire starter later <laughs> this evening <laughs> and sit around a bonfire with my wife um, and, and take in and, and process things. Um, you know, go out for a walk in the woods behind my house or something. <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, no, this, this has been wonderful. And again, far better than um, what my cute little outline uh, could have accomplished <laughs> in this space. And so, um, yeah, Rob, thank you uh, genuinely yeah. so much uh, for your time and for hanging out and uh, for, not, for not reading my outline. <laughs> yeah, no, we, yeah, we all just, we open our hearts to each other and we see what happens. That's always yeah. where it is. You guys are fantastic. I love meeting you too. Well, thank you. you. Too. First time I've done an interview with somebody in a car as well. <laughs> And been yeah. asked about a hockey team. And yeah. uh, you too. You too. Marty, you'll always be in ministry. That's not a problem. Josh, it's only going to get more interesting. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sweet. Well, Rob, thank you again. Um, yeah. And uh, one, one quick request before you go. Um, if I ever manage to uh, write a book someday or, or put something out there I need you to do me a favor and I need you to tweet farewell Josh Patterson yeah <laughs> and that will mean the world to me <laughs> that is awesome oh farewell Josh Patterson oh I'll say it now that is awesome yes sir you heard it here first you are a very funny man <laughs> That's great. Oh, man. That is great. Great talking yeah. to you guys. Yes, yep. Rob. Thank you, you again. And listeners, peace and love. And uh, go Caps. And go Blackhawks. <laughs> and the Miracle Team. Yes. And the Miracle Team. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, Rob. Bye.